Project Management Insights, providing project managers with professional development in the interpersonal skills areas of leadership, team building and communication. Welcome everyone to today's episode of Project Management Insights. And I have a special guest again today. You're going to notice that I've had lots of special guests and uh, it's been fantastic for me to meet all these wonderful people doing fabulous work in their own right that are going to help you uh, with your project management. And today is so different. Today I've got someone a bit different though to my usual guests because I'm talking with Dr. Dave Schramm, who is actually a family person that works in family research. And he's a professor at the University of Utah. And Dave's recently uh, done a TED talk where he talks about the connections between what makes a family work well. And then we're going to talk today about how that works just as well in the work environment and for you as a project manager. So welcome, Dave, and thank you very, very much for joining me today for this episode. Oh, thanks so much, Karen, for having me. I'm excited to be on. Yeah, so I mean, it's quite interesting your research when you've looked at these companies that prosper and the companies that are working really, really well and what makes them tick. So tell me about what you found. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know, from a family scholar perspective and saying, hey, you know, I've never had a business class in my life, right, Karen? But but I feel like I've had relationship classes and a lot of the things that go on at work and with management is really boils down to, to relationships. Yeah. You know, it, it started, I actually, uh, several years ago, when I was a professor at the University of Missouri, I conducted the the shortest study of my career. And it was just two questions, just two questions. And the first question was, to me, life is all about, and then I had people fill in the blank with just one or two words, you know, what is life about to them? And the second question was related, and it, and it was, to me, um, or if I died tomorrow, what I would miss, the very most would be, and then fill in the blank again. And so I wanted to know, what would people miss, and what is life about for people? And it was really interesting as I, as I looked at their answers to, to that question, if I died tomorrow, what I'd miss the very most? 86% said something about family relationships, such as my spouse or my children. And I thought that was interesting because it really shows where people's priorities are. And you know what was missing, Karen, from the list was the words work and money. Mm. In fact, less than 2% said anything related to, to money or work. But that isn't to say that work can't be, you know, meaningful, engaging, and enjoyable. I love, you know, what I do. But it goes to show what matters most to people is their family relationships. So I think if when managers can understand that, what matter, you know, the very best leaders and managers, I think, have a clear understanding that what matters most to their employees is not their job, it's their family. Yeah. And so when they can understand and help them and treat them like family and help them in their in their personal lives and their and their family lives and be there and listen and learn from them, then I think it spills over into their, you know, those relationships when they're treated with gratitude and kindness at work, they'll gladly give their very best on the job. So it's those family type of um, characteristics, yeah, that I think that I have a, a unique perspective. Absolutely. And those words are really important for me. A number of the podcast episodes I've talked about how important appreciation is uh, in our roles in this project management space, because oftentimes, if you appreciate someone enough, they will go that extra mile. It's not about the, you know, you must, you have to 
the dictatorial manner of it. It's about treating them with kindness and humility and the sense of they're an individual and they have feelings. And I think that's the thing that we often forget. It's about this emotional side because as we know, emotion, the word emotion and business generally doesn't go in the same sentence. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Even from a, you know, as a parenting scholar, the same thing holds true with with children. Often it's the tone of voice, mm-hmm. right? Because children immediately will be feel that fear from the tone of voice. So how a message is delivered influences the the entire message. Yeah. So I, I think we have to just be aware, you know, aware of and really pay attention to how we're talking to people. These are people. And people are right, or people are more important than projects and profits and prominence, all these other things. It's it really boils down to people and relationships. Well, yes. And then how does that how do we how do we I don't know what the right words are. How do we create that or how do we make that happen when we are the project manager that's got our senior managers and our senior leaders driving us to deliver. And it's all about on time, on budget and on scope, because as a project manager, they're the things that we're being hammered about. They're the things that we're being told must happen and that add all this extra pressure on top of us in our normal environment. And and here we're talking about life in general, not just work. Yeah, absolutely. And the pressure is real, the pressure to perform, to give results. And I think that when we stop and realize, though, that from one survey, right, 81% of employees said that they would work harder for a grateful boss. And so, you know, it's this give and take, you know, do I put this pressure on, perform, perform? But if I'm doing that, it almost has a reverse effect. It's like, I'm going to push back. You can't tell me what to do. I'm going to be slow just on purpose. Because if if the relationship is not there, and when I talk about this in this, it's kind of this pyramid, if things are not going well with the connection, it goes connection, direction, correction. And if I go out of that order, if I'm teaching somebody and I don't have a good relationship with them, think about that just in life. If someone comes up and you can't stand that person and they try to instruct you and say, oh, no, Karen, actually what you need to do here is, but if you don't have a good relationship with that person, the moment they walk away, you're going to roll your eyes, you're going to elbow the person next to you and you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to do it this way just to tick them off, right? So I can, yeah. I can see this pressure to perform, but if it's not done and the relationship is not there out of kindness and gratitude, humility, these things we've been talking about, it will produce the reverse effect of what we want. Oh, we see that so often. I mean, I've seen that so often. Yeah. So, I mean, that's absolutely brilliant. So connection, it's one of the three things that you talked to me about that are the key, these key needs that we, that we have in the workplace. So tell me more about this connection. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really important to, to first understand that we as humans, we have at least three essential needs for surviving and thriving in this life. And they are safety, physical and emotional safety, right? Food, clothing, shelter, sleep, you know, if we're not doing well, we don't have our basic needs there. We're not going to perform. We're going to be cranky and that kind of thing. So safety, emotional safety, being feel like I can open up, being vulnerable, that I'm not going to be, um, you know, slapped if I am, you know, sharing feelings and things at at work. Um, Satisfaction, 
And so those are things like uh, we're all born with this, this desire to acquire, right? To have rewards, to have a bowl of ice cream, to do things that are fun, that bring pleasure, that bring growth. I want to learn on the job, those, those types of things. I want to, to be able to be recognized. And then connection, this, we're all born with this, this longing for belonging or this craving for connection with other human beings. So those are the, the three fundamental human needs from a family science perspective. And it was interesting, Karen, that not long ago, I was driving down the freeway and passing numerous billboards. And I noticed some of the, the wording on these billboards. I noticed billboards from uh, banks, car dealerships, even furniture stores. And they had words that resonated with, with my area of family science. They had things like, welcome to the family, welcome home and think family and think kindness and caring and all these. I thought, wait a minute, that's interesting that why would businesses use family and family science terms in marketing messages? And that's really where all this started, you know, this research in this area that I'll, that I'll talk a little bit about. That's where it all stemmed from was interesting. Maybe the workplace, similar to a family, can meet those, those fundamental needs of safety, satisfaction and connection. Right. But then they, they don't. <laughs> right. Many of them don't. Many of them don't. In fact, only about a third in my research, only about a third, about 36% actually meet all three areas uh, of those needs. And, and so I, you know, I was curious, I'm familiar with Inc.com as probably many of the, the listeners are. And the last couple of years they've done, you know, the top workplaces in the, in the nation. So I looked at 2019 and 2019 more than they surveyed more than 139,000 employees across the United States and asked them just to, to rate their workplaces. And 346 workplaces came out on top in 2019. So I wanted to know, you know, what is it about these, these 346? What makes them stand out and, and why? What are they doing? What are they offering? What's management like at these workplaces? So I actually uh, took a look at each of their 100 word summaries. So each, each workplace has 100 words to describe why they think we're a great place to work. But as I analyzed, I did a word analysis actually and looked, I want to know what are the frequently most used words in these, these descriptions of these top workplaces. And I was floored by what I found. It turns out that the 15 words used most frequently in these descriptions of their workplace aligned precisely with the same three fundamental needs for human flourishing. It was amazing. With regard to the need for safety, they used words like benefits, care, environment, help, and support. They also met the need for satisfaction. They used words like fun, growth, um, perks, development. They even used the word happy. And then some even met the need for connection. In fact, the most frequently used were the top two most frequently used words were team and culture. Isn't that interesting? And they used the words people, values. And the ninth most frequently used word, Karen, was the word family. Isn't that interesting? I thought, oh my God, that's when it hit me. The secret sauce to these top workplaces is meeting the three fundamental needs and treating employees just like family. Yeah, isn't it, isn't it amazing? It just stuck me that it said, wow, this is, this is what's happening. And even more, the best places to work, not only treat their employees like family, but they aim to strengthen 
their employees' families as well. So it spills right. over there. They say, oh, yeah, you need to take off for an appointment or a doctor's or something. Absolutely, you know, family first. And, of course, there's a balance, right? We can't do everything for families. But it was amazing of that. And that's when I, it really hit me. Wow. These, these workplaces, they get it. They understand. Treat their employees with kindness and gratitude. And I know we chatted when we initially connected to talk about this episode about change management and how when we, with our project work, of course, it's all about change. And in a work environment, that change disrupts the family more often than not because what we're doing is disturbing what's being created in terms of a family sense when there's a restructure, a reorganization, or people are dispensed with, you know, told to leave the family. We don't think about it in terms of the impact on the family within the business situation when that occurs, I don't think. Yeah, that is such a, a great point. And one that's perhaps often overlooked Karen, is this this change in environments and now this person, they got promoted, they're now out of the office, they were let go. Mm. And change is hard because we love connection and we get connected to the people we work with, we laugh with, we eat with, we spend a third of our lives with many of us. We're, that That's kind of our second family, a family away from family. Yeah. And so what happens? when when there's a lot it's it's almost a loss really that, yeah. that that relationship it's not the same anymore or they're gone or I don't see them and managers need to be aware of those emotions those emotions are real they can be raw they can affect and spill over into uh, our productivity our engagement the same thing happens in families right when it when a, a friend of our child they move oh out of state or move to another school there's a loss it's too often we say, hey, it's okay, you know, get over it. It's not that big a deal. Buck up. We use those types of word. But it's important to hold up what I call the emotional mirror. That we reflect, that we take time because mm-hmm. managing emotions is critical. Uh, Haim Ganat, one of the child psychologists, the greatest of all time, he said, fish swim, birds fly, and people feel. That's what makes us human is our emotions and feelings. So taking time to recognize that and simply say a manager manager could simply say something like that hurts, isn't it? You really miss Marty, right? Or Jonathan or whoever it is. That's hard. Disruption is hard. Simply reflecting that sometimes and recognizing, validating those emotions in the workplace strengthens connection and connection before direction and correction, right? Right. Right. And then I guess for us, is if we're a project manager, we're in that space sometimes where we're caught between, as we talked about before, that need for the delivery side of it versus looking at the person as the individual with the needs in the, and in the, in the broader context of family. So how would we manage that? Because um, I, I think oftentimes when I've stepped into my role as project manager, I put my project management hat on and all I'm focused on is my narrow view of what needs to be done and I don't tend to then see the person that might be having issues at home with their own family Mm, yes and how I might how I might um support them in my role because as a project manager I haven't been taught these things I haven't been taught to Nurture, work with, I don't know the words, but it, but it's, you know, I don't have those skills. I mean, how do I, how do I learn how to 
work or treat this person in a way that's going to support them and get the best from them in this environment. Oh, it's it's tough. It, it's tough because yeah, the learning these kind of fundamentals of of family science, we first realize that a person is not a to-do list. They are not a checklist. They are not just to accomplish something. They are a person. And maybe sitting down and you know someone's struggling. You know what? Let's let's take an early lunch real quick. Let's let's come and and you know I'll buy. And you go out and you just have. And it's not about work. But you yeah. ask them about your, your after connection. That's what it's about. Your after connection. Tell me, well, yeah, what's going on? But you have to build that relationship because if the relationship's not there and it's and it's weird and there's no trust and hey, you know what's going on in your life? You know why aren't you performing? What's you're 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 falling behind? This project was not. We have that done, and it's just gonna produce more resistance. So it is learning to connect, and one of the quickest ways to do that, Karen. In my mind, there's there's two really important ways, and these are simple things that managers can do. The one is offering sincere and frequent gratitude and appreciation. That will build connection almost as fast as anything I know. The same mm -hmm. thing in any kind of relationships, family relationships, express real gratitude. And that can be through a text. It can be a sticky note on their computer. It can be verbal, but it has to be specific and sincere. Until managers recognize, and so any, but if you're getting some, you know, if they're struggling and they're, what do I, I can't tell them appreciate because they're struggling, find something else to compliment, to build that relationship. And the second one is, and I think it's the same side of, or it's a different side of the same coin is kindness, kindness, a random act of kindness. So I found out your favorite, oh, you like uh, diet Coke. Okay. Hey, when you come into the work, there's a little sticky note with a diet Coke saying, Hey, hope you nail this project today. You know, sure. Love what you're doing. Appreciation. I'm so glad that you're part of our team. That type of thing will build connection um, fast An act of kindness, gratitude, appreciation, sincere um, interest, you know, in their, in their lives of what's going on. And so I think so much with management, it's about teaching and results and correction when things go wrong and teaching and getting after reminding, we fail to go underneath and say, ah, connection before direction and connection. Yeah, and, and I get it. So I'm going to use an example of where I am in my workplace and I'm flipping it up because it's my managers that I'm talking about creating that connection with. But learning that one of them loves tennis and and his his goal one day is to go and go to the Australian Open, which is one of the huge tennis uh, tournaments on the calendar, the first in the start of the calendar year from a tennis perspective. And so I can talk to him about tennis because I found out that that's his passion. That's what he loves. So we have conversations when we've had conversations about tennis, but it's created the connection Yes. You know, in a different way. It's not about work. We don't talk about work. It's about the person and what that person likes, what that person is interested in. Yes. From yes. That perspective. And I love that because we, we love to share. As humans, we love to share. We love mm -hmm. to connect. And we connect with people who are similar to ourselves or who compliment us or who are interested genuinely in our in our lives. So it's important to connect, connect, find something build that relationship of trust and connection something that you have in common and maybe you know i they're i'm athletic and they're not but you're finding something then that you have in common build on these common you know the beliefs or direction or we have a 
project and let's let's do this this togetherness yeah you know but sometimes Karen though that we're gonna be people are gonna make mistakes and how managers approach people when they mess up is is equally important and I'll, I'll first again start more from the family perspective right children make mistakes teenagers are going to sneak out of their house you know it's it's how it's the approach it's how we handle those things now of course there's got to be consequences for things but it's more of um how the, the approach and how we go about it I'll give you a, a real life example. So our daughter just started working in a fast food. I won't tell you which one, right? A fast food pl food place. And she started about a, a month and a half ago. Things are going great. She loves the managers, but there's one manager. who she, Our daughter came home and just almost in tears, just like, ah, you know, this was awful today. And everyone is stressed out and I messed up. And my manager just, she swore at me and just belittled her. Yep. And I think, oh, look what they had have done. Not only is she going now yeah, be more fearful and make mistakes and probably will make mistakes because now I'm being watched and I'm stressed out, but a manager simply could have said, oh, you know, yeah, on this time when we're making the ice cream, let's do it this way. Hey, no worries on that one. You know, that one's on me. You see how just the, the approach and the tone and handling it, remembering that that person has feelings yeah. and, and be quick to forgive be quick to to accept because that's how we would want it and we have to realize we've all, we've all made mistakes we've been there and how would i want to be treated when i make mistake in the workplace yeah yeah that's a good one and uh, and i guess if i'm going to put it into a project manager speak it might be the person that's not delivering mm. and again you know i've got all this pressure to make things happen and then this person might have either made a mistake or not delivered. It's how I would approach them and have the conversation. And if we go back to this point of how can I find out what's really going on? Because what's going on might not be connected to work at all. It could very well be an external thing that they've brought to work. Absolutely. It could be yeah, these distractions or family, or I just had a mm. fight with my partner or whoever, and I'm coming to work. My mind is going to be there exactly. yeah, and it's not focused. And so more if a manager just keeps hounding me and say, hey, what's your problem today or what's going on, that that approach won't work, it'll backfire. But what it is, it's almost this natural instinct type of approach when something is not working, come down and push even harder rather than, than coming from the bottom up of that pyramid and connecting. We try to come down and correct. Now, at some points, there, yeah, there does need to be correction. There, you know, if we violate a rule or there's harassment or something, yeah, we have to have logical net, you know, consequences that, that happen for, for those things. But when you see a problem, usually there's going to be some underlying um, something going on in the person's life. So say, hey, let's let's take a walk for a minute. Yeah, let's take a break. Let's and go for a walk. And it, where it's not side by side, it's interesting in family dynamics. Research has shown that children are more likely to open up when they're side by side, you know, working in the garden, working, um, putting dishes away, rather than staring them down the barrel across mm. a desk and saying, hey, you know, what's happening? Go for a walk. If they're to your side and you're not staring them down the barrel, they're more likely to open up. Going for a little walk, a little jog, we're eating lunch and hanging out and it's casual rather than this. Yeah, you tell me what's going on. So well, I yeah, and it's funny because what happened when you were talking about that was I went straight into parent mode. So it's like I went into the space of being the child being told off by the parent 
back in my day when that was just what happened. You just got told off. And nobody likes that. You know, you, 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 as you said, you feel belittled. You feel like you're not worthy. You're not wanted. And it's, it sets you into the spiral of it's the last place you want to be. Well, then am I going to get the best out of you if that's how I'm feeling? Absolutely not. Uh, I, you know, I, I often use this analogy, Karen, of, um, uh, of a sports analogy. I'm a kind of a sports guy. So I, I think that sometimes managers, they have three roles to play. Sometimes they are the, the person on the court. Right. Um, and sometimes they are the, um, the referee. Sometimes they're the coach. And sometimes they're the fan in the stands, right? The parent right. in the stands. Yeah, yeah. And you have to be able to manage that. You know, when a, a referee, it's interesting when something happens, let's say, you know, a person committed a, a you know, they double dribble or they traveled in basketball. A referee never comes up and says, oh, what do you think? You can't do that. They don't belittle them, do they? No. All they do is they, okay, stop. Yeah, you violated a rule, but let's reset the game as fast as we can. You know, the other team, they get it out of bounds and let, let's get going again. Isn't that yeah. interesting? Yeah, they yeah. Be a little, but now coaches, they're, they're the ones who say, okay, hey, they do a lot of the teaching. The referees do some of the correcting. The coaches do the teaching and the inspiration. They clap. They Sometimes you need a timeout and sit on the bench. And sometimes managers need to be the fan in the stands that simply is clapping, they're cheering, they're celebrating. Mm. And it's important to balance what role am I playing, the referee right now, the coach, or the fan in the stands? Ah, that's an awesome analogy. I love that. And, and I think then if we think that way, then how we approach a problem or something that isn't correct is going to be very, very different because, you know, sure, I'm the fan and I've got my huge view on, you know, the way that the avalanche should be playing at the moment. And yet I'm on the sidelines completely not connected to any of it, right? Yes. And so if there's nothing for me to do apart from have my own opinions and ideas and stay out of it. Yes. Yeah. I love that. I love that analogy because we, we think differently than other people. And sometimes we just think, hey, we, we fail often to put ourselves in other people's shoes and yeah. see it from their perspective and just say, okay, help me understand. Yeah. When you're doing that, when you're working on that project from, from your perspective, walk me through that just so I can understand yeah. you know, what you did and, and what happened there, where we failed. Yeah. In that process. And, and, and that's absolutely brilliant because I've done that many times and Yes, what it found is it creates that stronger connection. And then from that stronger connection, I get more out of the person that I've, that I've had that approach with because then they're more, well, as you said, builds the trust. And then they're more likely to come and talk to me, to give me ideas and suggestions and to improve and be more efficient at what they do. Whereas if I've come down on somebody and just done the parent stuff on them, yeah, absolute back off and then, I get nothing from them because it's like they go and shut themselves in their box and I'm not doing anything for you. I've had enough of your attitude. Mm, yeah. What it does, it, it, it kills creativity really. Oh, yeah. Because when we come down and say, oh, you know, what were you thinking? Why did you do that? Why don't you just do it this way? Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to try anything, but often when people will try new things and even if it doesn't work, we learn from it and it didn't work. And so that phrase helped help me to understand, yeah, you kind of the process and the direction that you went with this yeah. and understanding can feed yeah, creativity and say, Oh, that, that's an interesting approach. I never thought about that. So you can use those types of words instead of don't do it that way, do it this way. Right. And I think language, we don't often pay 
enough attention uh, to the language that we're using and I'm going to put it into the context of knowing myself that I have used my family language the, fa the language that I've grown up with the approach that I've grown up with from my family when I've stepped into the workplace unconsciously yes that happens all of the time if we grew up in a yeller family there's yeller families that's all that i'm used to that's all that i know that's actually normal for me because that's how i was treated maybe i yell at my kids i come to work now i'm a manager i'm yelling at them and i may not even realize it because it's it's one perspective rather than yeah. saying oh there's a new approach there's another way that may be beneficial that this isn't the way and this isn't the most effective way and i may not even realize it yeah so I guess one of the things that, that um, has, does get tough on project managers is the sense of, as we've talked about already, pressure. And, and I'm interested in your view on work-life balance. And I mean, in my world, there isn't work-life balance, it's life. And, but, I'm, but I'm interested in your perspective of that work-life balance. And uh, I've, I've done a podcast episode before on... Um, with someone else where we talked about being a project manager all the time, being switched on all the time in project management mode at home with our families, right? So we project manage life at home, <laughs> Forget about, forgetting about the fact that, you know, we're a project manager when we're at work and we don't need to take it home. But any, you know, just snippets of, of brilliance in terms of this space of how to switch it off, you know, how can we make it I suppose more realizing that life and, and family outside work is not necessarily the same as life and work you know life and family at, at, in work the work context yeah there's there's a lot in the family research that looks at um, work family you know spillover and the spillover into things when they're not going well at home it spills over to work and same thing yeah. take work um, home with us I actually like the word um, the term work-life integration Right? Because I don't know if there's, you know, my life at home and my life at work. Now it's like, I am who I am and I'm going to integrate who I am wherever, right? I'm at work right now and I'm still Dave, right? Okay. It, just my personality comes here. I can be myself. And when I go home, so I'm just integrating, yeah, my, some of the family, but I have a daughter who might call me and say, hey, dad, you know, I just got in trouble and come get me from the principals. So there's this yep. integration of how we, we separate those things. And for many people, it is kind of like when they get at the front door, I know therapists, for example, who have to almost mentally, before they go through the front door, they have to take off the therapist and just say, okay, I just heard a lot of problems and struggles today, really heavy stuff or suicide stuff. I have to leave it here. And right. so they actually go through this mental take off the, this little coat, their therapist coat or their management coat and say, okay, now I'm home. And I can go in and let, let's connect. What do I need to do? I need to connect my kiddos, my partner, whoever it is. And let's talk. Let's maybe not, maybe for a few minutes, decompress about, oh man, you'll never believe what happened to me at, at work today. And we, we talk, we connect, but then talk about the positives. I love talking about the good things. What are five good things or three good things that happened at school today to my kids when they come home? Uh, yeah. Because they're quick. We're, our brains are actually wired to remember and focus on the negative it's called this negativity bias that we have and so um, we're actually wired to remember and, and focus on those things but instead when my kiddos get home 
I give them a big old hug or I come in through the door and say, hey, what's the best thing that happened at school today? We talk about the best over family dinner. It could be your happy thought, the best thing that happened today. Um, who did you help today? And so we tilt toward the positive because we know we're wired for the stress and the negative and that spills over. So we have to actually work five times as hard research shows to focus on the positive uh, rather than the, the negatives because the negatives are powerful and can spill over into our lives. Wow, that's really interesting. That I find that really interesting because I for one am one of those people that has always been in that space and I think even more than anything, it, it's been hard to find the positive things. And so when I'm at work in this space in my project, I'm always, always gonna be focusing on what's not working rather than what is working. Isn't that interesting that we are wired, yeah, to do that. We are, you know, the holiday season and we see one light that is burned out. We're wired to focus on that one light that's, that's burned out or we have yeah. our grass and we have a brown spot in our grass. We're wired to focus on the negative. And in families, my child brings home a report card and they have five A's and a C minus. I'm wired and I go right <laughs> in that C minus. And we say, hey, what happened in math? I thought you were going to retake that. You are going to talk to your teacher. We launch into this, into this lecture. So we have to be aware cognizant. Well, one tip Karen I might share with managers is to start their day in a positive way. And now that means starting even at home, you know, the first few minutes when they wake up, the first 20 minutes even, what are they doing? What are, is it something positive? So exercise or meditation or yoga or reading, right? Whatever it is to get them going. If we start our day by, and there's one study that shows even with as little as three minutes of negative news, we're like 26% more likely that to, at the end of the day to rate our day as a bad day. Yeah. And so I like starting the day in a positive way, starting meetings in a positive way. So if the first thing in a management meeting, we get together, we have meetings, lots of meetings. You know how I start all my classes? I start with the good news minute. And I say, hey, let's start with the good things. What are the good things going on in your life? And it may not have anything to do with work, right? right? But Jerry over here might say, hey, you know, let's, uh, you know, my child scored a goal last night and I was so excited or whatever it is. And you celebrate the good news. What it does, is it creates this upward spiral by starting with something positive rather than ne negative or, okay, this is what we need to work on. No, 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 no. Start the meeting, start the day, start whatever you're starting in a positive, happy way. Ah, love it. Absolutely love it. And I think someone else I've talked to recently, I can't remember who it was. I've had so many wonderful people that I've been speaking to talked about the same thing. You know, what, what's working? You know, what, don't, don't focus on the, here's the problems we've got, but what's working? Well, and that's what I'm hearing from you. It's the same sort of thing, although I think it's taking it that step further that it can be. So, you know, I'm going to be absolutely excited with my news to tell you that my avalanche won last night. That's why I've got no voice. Yes. Um, so, you know what I mean? That, and, I, and I get it because that's where my excitement and my passion is rather yeah. than you know, well, I've got a huge problem because I can't get the, the techies to talk to me. You know, they won't, they won't give me what I need. Yes. The negative and flip side of my project delivery. So, and and yeah. when we start things in a positive way, it actually releases dopamine inside of our brains. It won't get too brain science on us, but I, I love that because that's what creates the positive um, spiral. And when there's dopamine and we're positive, we're sharing good things, it actually turns on all the learning centers in the brain. So then you actually creativity increases, right? This positivity, we're able to use more, have access to more parts of our brain when it's positive. Right. Yeah, so productivity, all this increases with a positive brain. So it's these simple little 
happy hacks, if you will, that can get things going. Another one, a simple one that's free, smiling. Managers who smile, who welcome people with a smile, right? And they, they're smiling, called the 10-5 way. Within 10 feet, you're smiling. Within five feet, you're saying good morning or how are you doing? You're giving a fist bump. You're connecting in positive ways, but it starts with a, with a genuine smile. Yeah. And again, I get that. I've just to put myself back into the space of entering my workplace at the moment. And I think the other thing that I notice with that is it's the smile and using a person's name. Yeah. Because cool. if I walk up to you and I smile and I say, hey, Dave, how are you this morning? You're a person. Yes. You're not just the developer or the researcher or the university professor or whatever, right? You are Dave. And I'm connecting with you as Dave. Yeah, it's been said, yeah, the most important word in the English language is your own name. Yeah, yeah. for each person, it's that name, and it is, and it feels good. It's like, yeah, Karen, this is so amazing. What a wonderful job that you're doing here, affecting so many lives. Instantly, it's this connection. It builds trust, right? The relationship, I am happier. So it really is, you know, cultures are, are built, Karen, really from experience to experience. We say the word culture, and that's kind of this big term that's umbrella term. But it's built from a fist bump to a fist bump to a name to a mm. smile to to a happy thought to start your name you know good news minute it's these little micro moments and experiences that create positive cultures right and interestingly um a couple of episodes ago i spoke to george and we talked about the sorts of things that upset cultures uh in an in an in a team environment and I think again the, the key things that you're talking to us about today are the things that are missing when a culture's not working. Mm, absolutely it, as small and simple as these things are that create positive cultures it's the small things that actually will make things deteriorate it's the little smirk it's the rolling my eyes it's my raised voice my hands these gestures like ah, what were yeah. you thinking yeah that kind of um, thing that's happening that that will be little people so it, it's it's tough because we build these things little by little but it's it's amazing how powerful a negativity is actually five times as powerful than a positive so we have to increase the positives in our relationships our connections uh, and those little molecule moments at work Right. And, and, and I think what the message that I'm hearing from you and one that I've been trying to impart is that this gratitude and appreciation is one of the key things to be able to turn anything from bad. I'm going to use the word bad in a not so great way, but bad to good, because it doesn't take much to flip a relationship from one that can seem toxic and, and not working by the sincerity, by treating the person as a person and by acknowledging who they are and what they're doing, it makes a world of difference. It makes a world, it makes all the difference is what it does. Yeah, this kindness, gratitude. And when managers do mess up, and then they will, right? We're not perfect. I mess up as a parent. When we mess up, be quick to apologize, a sincere apology. I remember when I, again, as a family, family analogy, we're home, we're getting ready for bed, four little ones, and I'm losing my cool. It's been a long day. Okay, you guys, you know, settle down and get into bed, stay into bed. And then I lost, right? And I yelled as a parent, ah, oh, yikes, you know, Dr. Day, what are you doing? And, and I made a mistake. But what I did afterwards, after I cooled down, I went into each of their bedrooms one-on-one, -on -one, and I apologized. I went, I sat on their beds, and they can, the manager can come to the cubicle or say, hey, you know, let's go on a walk for a minute. Let's, 
and then sincerely i i told each of our kids you know what i got stressed out and i blew it as a dad and dads make mistakes too you know what i'm so sorry for getting after you like that i shouldn't have done that will you please forgive me wow i mean what forgiveness is and apologies is really reconnection right Mm -hmm. i feel distant something that snarky has been said and now forgiveness is saying okay i want to reconnect i want things to be how they were again will you forgive me i want that connection back and and it's possible and it's possible but has to be genuine and it has to be accompanied by the kindness the gratitude the other things that we've that we've talked about and and the other word that i would add in there is vulnerability because oftentimes we play it tough and we're not willing to be vulnerable in that space, especially in our workplace. Because again, we think emotions and, and workplaces don't go together and yet the exact opposite is true. The more vulnerable and honest we are with who we are and what's going on for us emotionally in the workplace, the more we get from well, the workplace. Yeah, immediately a leader or manager becomes a person immediately when there's vulnerability and saying, yeah, man, I blew it or I thought that that might work, but it, but it didn't or I made a mistake or I shouldn't have done that. They become human. Yeah, yeah that with with hopes and dreams and mistakes and we all lose that rather than a, than this person up here who thinks they're better than me. Yeah, immediately vulnerability creates connection very quickly. Right, right. So... I just, I thank you so much. I'm so glad you reached out to me because today's um, episode, I think, is something that it's like that left field thing that we don't talk about often and yet it's, it makes a huge difference in our ability to perform and be part of the team. And I love the using the, the um, acronym for team together everyone achieves more and if we're working in that space of treating each individual as an individual with that level of kindness and building the trust and openness and honesty vulnerability and appreciation and gratitude and kindness then we can't have anything else but a perfect performing team in a way and we're talking about the individuals within the team Absolutely. Yeah, I've loved this this conversation, Karen. And my TED Talk, right, was just released, this TEDx Talk, where I talk about these principles of these human needs and treating employees like, like family in the workplace. So it just came out. I hope people will, will take a look at it and then share it and share it to the, their coworkers, their managers, because I, I hope that this will keep this ball rolling about how important um, – you know, this, these family fundamentals, meeting these three needs of safety, satisfaction in the workplace can, can really be, can make all the difference. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much. And there'll be a link to Dave's uh, talk, TED Talk, uh, in the notes from this uh, podcast episode. So go and check it out, as Dave said, and share it within your workplaces. We'll make sure to share it on, on uh, pub- public social media as well. And feel free to do that with anyone and everyone because the more this message gets out there, the better. More workplaces are going to end up on that fabulous workplace list that you talked about earlier. Yes. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, Karen. This has been a joy. Okay. Lovely to meet you, Dave. And so keep Uh, working on these skills in your project management space team and I will talk to you again next week for another episode of Project Management Insights. Thank you for listening to this Project Management Insights podcast. Be sure to visit projectmanagementinsight.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter or to receive updates on upcoming training.